Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I, of course, am Matt Dwyer, and this is a music and arts podcast. And as of late, it is strongly a music podcast. And if the way things are shaping up for January of 2021, it's going to continue to be mostly a music podcast. And speaking of music, the song that played the show in is a song called Giving and Receiving from the album Pasadena Afternoon. And that is by Nicholas Kirkovich, who is my guest today. He is a singer-songwriter from Canada. And uh, not that that means anything, because we're all really just human beings absent of essence, aren't we? But he's from Vancouver. Uh, He oddly is um, intermingled with a lot of my past guests. Owen Ashworth from um, Casio Tone for The Painfully Alone. And uh, I'm blanking on what his new band is called, or his more, at Advanced Bass. Also, uh, Carl Blau, he's connected with um, Kyle Field of Little Wings, and the list goes on and on. Anyway, it's a really great uh, conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, Nicholas was sitting out on his front porch while we recorded this. The video of this, if you want to see our two uh, mugs, is on my Patreon page. It's also got more interview you get more interview on my patreon page there's always extended interviews or extra bonus stuff so you could go become a patreon subscriber and look at our wonderful faces but he's sitting outside in his vancouver neighborhood and you could hear uh some boats in the background he says hello to some neighbors i kind of like the feel of it it's like we're just two guys hanging out talking on his front porch sounds uh the beers but it's a really great uh, episode, and I was really proud. Also, his music is incredible. Uh, this Pasadena afternoon came out December 4th, which would be just about uh, a little over a week, or a little less than a week than this episode airs. But uh, all things Nicholas are in the show notes. This album came out on Moon Records. Uh, my new relationship with Moon Records, I'm very, uh, they're pretty awesome. Special thanks to Caleb for hooking this up. And, um, there you go. Uh, if you if you like all things Nicholas, please go to the show notes. Check there's links to everything. There's also uh, my uh, link tree link there if you want to buy merch or follow my social media. My Instagram page is always probably the best. Conversations with Dwyer, and uh, you like I said, you could become a Patreon subscriber, and that helps the show, and that helps you because you get bonus material and blogs and video. As well, if if you just want to tell your friends about the show, that would mean a lot to me. Um, I don't care if you rate and review the show. I would rather you just tell people and say, hey, I'm listening to this. And and speaking of which, if you like Nicholas and his music and some of the other people I mentioned, like Kyle Field of Little Wings, I've interviewed all the people I listed and many, many more. Tim Presley, John Lurie. The list is long and plentiful. So please... Please, please uh, go back and check out my back library. I've got uh, over 200 episodes at this point. And that being said, um, this is my last episode of 2020. I'm going to not post any new episodes over the holidays. I will post some old episodes. So stay tuned on Twitter or Instagram to which episodes I'm going to be highlighting from the archives. And uh, I hope you have a happy holidays and a happy new year. And I will see you on the other side of that. Here is my great interview with Nicholas Kurgovich. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it on TV. Were your youthful days uh, a bit um, 
reckless? No, <laughs> I don't think so. You were, you, you no. Were, <laughs> no crazy musician days? You weren't uh, throwing chairs through windows? and. <laughs> no, I've always gone inward to the, a degree that's like probably even unhealthy. It prob- I probably could have stood to have thrown some chairs <laughs> or like viscerally let something out in my younger days because that's what most people do they don't know what to do with themselves so they just explode i never i always went in and in and in and in (laughs) did you like not express other than music but did you like hold a lot of things in or how did you go inward yeah i guess that yeah just like all and being evasive not being that forthcoming with things or squirrely when i was uncomfortable you know so what do you uh, where do you think that stem? Because I was in a similar way. Like I, I think I didn't have groundwork laid for me, like yeah. how to re- to handle situations. So I just was like, and and you said squirrely, and it's like I was like, yeah, I kind of was squirrely. But I'm like, I didn't have anyone yeah. teaching me. I think. Well, I guess I haven't really thought about it in enough to have like an anecdote about it but it does feel a bit like when i was younger i was always kind of like trying to round up in my maturity level or pay attention to older people and so that there was all this kind of like just kind of like flat generation x kind of like distance thing so there was like a sprinkling of that like that safety net of being kind of just like about everything (laughs) you know yeah yeah i was like wanting to be 30 when i was 18 yeah yeah why why did we or i was similar like i don't and i kind of felt like i wanted to be 20 or 30 when i was 10 or something like i i am so confused about why all of a sudden i just like wanted to be on my own trip that was this kind of like old cool dude (laughs) but i was just like a a twerp but do you do you feel like you were a a bit advanced because from what i've read about you like as a young person you were pretty advanced and you were like already writing music and a, a kind of accomplishing things musically that most people don't. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't think I was advanced necessarily, but I was at least productive or something, you know, I guess I had, uh, enough encouragement or like belief that I could just make stuff and the will to do it but it was never uh yeah it just felt like it was natural to me to just make up songs and try record them and all that kind of stuff so even when i was quite young were your parents very supportive of that or i think so yeah uh like my mom put me in piano lessons when i was in kindergarten and uh because i was always into music like i don't have any sort of memory of where music was just a thing in the air you know like I always paid attention to it for as long as I can remember so it was always clearly important to me uh and I also played like lacrosse and hockey and stuff so my parents were I think trying to make sure I had this very balanced thing they didn't really uh I think if they fully indulge my creative interests or whatever i would be a total monster now (laughs) like is it a given that like in canada because like here it's like everybody like i played peewee football is that just the same like do you just do this i hated football by the way and i hate most football players 
Yeah. I, oof. Oof. <laughs> what what position did you play? I'm not that I would even know. There's I was like a left left guard. Line. I was like, yeah. here's the thing: the guy who can't do anything position. <laughs> yeah, that's tight. How long did you play it for? One season, and I just uh, yeah. And already, like at that young age, I could see like like the quarterback and it's like this is the third grade the quarterback was already this cocky overly sure dick like he was a dick to me and it was just like where like i was just like so that like energy that sort of like testosterone even though at third grade you probably don't have any it's like already like bothered me and i just was like all right and i pretty much avoided sports from that point on yeah yeah, it's smart. What did what did you move to from there? I was into reading, and uh, I really liked comedy. Like I was really obsessed with like old like Marx Brothers and old reruns and film. Yep. Uh, I loved music, but I and I did play drums, but I just it was quickly obvious that I had no talent. <laughs> but like you... I mean, that can't be true. <laughs> anyway. I could keep a 4-4 four, four beat. We'll keep, we'll keep it at that. <laughs> I mean, you could do so much with that. <laughs> but like... Um, but like you, I was like... Music was always very prevalent and my parents had no... Like they had maybe maybe five records and it was like the Butch mm. Cassidy and the Sundance Kid soundtrack and like some Anne Murray, which I'm sure is a Canadian. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, she's Canadian. She's from the other side, East Coast. Is there but, a rivalry yeah. between sides of the country? Oh. Uh, not that I know of, but yeah. It, culturally, they seem pretty vastly different, I would say. But I've not, actually never even been to the Maritimes before. I'd like to go there. It looks beautiful. But so, but who did the Butch Cassidy soundtrack? I know uh, B.J. Thomas did one of the songs, like "Raindrops Keep Falling on Rain Your Head." Yeah, was from that. Uh, I love that song. Yeah, yeah. that. Okay. Oh, so it's Backrack. It's a Backrack score, maybe. It must oh, be. it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you need one album in at least Western pop, <laughs> a Backrack one is perfect. That's a, I would say that's a great I never really because I do like Backrack and it's like I never made that connection before because it is a very like significant sound oh yeah yeah and those are incredible songs like those completely blow my mind so yeah that's uh, yeah but my music at my house there was um like neither of my parents were music nerds or whatever. I just actually recently started laughing hysterically because my I'm not that familiar with Stevie Wonder, and I my friend who's a real head made me a playlist and I was going through it and I remember my mom had like Talking Book and Inner Visions and all these things that are the music is bananas and just thinking of my mousy mom like with only like four or five records but most of them being stevie wonder one ones in the carol king carol king's tapestry probably was like a huge one in the house but i don't remember her playing stevie wonder i think the yeah because i was born in 82 so like maybe she dipped out in the 80s i don't know but anyway i'm just like this image of my mom listening to the most like advanced like far out Stevie Wonder records in her room just made me f- I just thought it was really funny because my mom is like just like this very sweet person but I wouldn't say she 
I thought of her as someone that would listen to something so musically adventurous so often. <laughs> Do you think she was like exploring some secret side? I wonder. Well, when I jo- I mentioned it to her and she's like, Nikki, you'll never know the real me. I, she was joking, but <laughs> I liked that, you know, a million years later, she could have that like winky moment with me. Yeah. So, yeah. Because my mom always had this, she was like of, offended by the posters that my brothers had on their walls because a lot of the it, you know, it was 70s musicians, so it was like Bowie and these guys with the spandex pants. And she was always, like, bothered by it. But, like, later on as an adult, I was kind of like, were you bothered by it, Mom? Or was it, like, tricking? Like, yes, was it, like, triggering Oops, something in your brain you that you, move. you know, your Catholic ways wouldn't <laughs> allow? <laughs> and, and not that totally. I really want to think about yeah. it, but I'm like, was my mom secretly kind of got, like, a freaky side? <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I mean, my mom also was raised Catholic going to see like, or going to church every weekend and this church services were in Latin and everything. Like it was like hardcore. Yeah. And my mom really, I think, took it in from, and yeah, she, she, yeah, really. Was your mom, is your, cause my mom kind of exposed, was just Catholicism and stuff kind of just as like with this idea like well it didn't harm me I may as well just like this is what I know we can do this so we went to like catechism once a week from like kindergarten to seventh grade and but she would still like we didn't go to church every we'd go on like Easter or something or we'd rally every once in a while but she you could tell she was like rolling her eyes as much as we were kind of so yeah I, I was the youngest of five so I by the end of the third kid I think my parents were done with it and they they yeah so we didn't ever go to church unless somebody died or got married right that was like yeah or christened so yeah. I, and I'm pretty relieved by that because I think I still got a lot of the guilt and sh- like there's I, I'm like not even exaggerating like there's days where I wake up and I'm I feel guilt or shame and I'm like I didn't do it like at least can I have some yeah. fun to have this feeling <laughs> it's like, I know do you have that too uh, I did more now. I've, I feel like I've shaken off a lot in a pretty like real way in which I'm real thankful for, but just in the like recent past, you know? So I definitely did feel like that more often when I was younger anyway. It's kind of, it's crazy how powerful that is. Like, even if you're not part of it, like so many people, like on a day to day weekly basis, it's still grips are like collective psyche it's like it's 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 appalling to me it's disgusting really because yeah it uh, in america it dictates so, like the puritans it dictates so much of our culture and it really is aggravating yeah i bet it's exhausting uh and i think it kind of worked out to like not that much consequence with my mom or whatever because despite me like thinking maybe she has this freaky Stevie Wonder side but <laughs> she's pretty she's a straight shooter she's just like you know what I mean like none of the ideas she learned through all that probably like really confused or confounded her too much whereas like I think me being a little more uh, not that way but still being so young and receptive to that kind of those teachings or whatever it just kind of goes in and whether 
part of you're like consciously i think i was consciously rolling my eyes at a lot of the stuff but also when you're so young and you're hearing the stuff from above from an adult or whatever yeah. it's still hard to like not let it in in some way that can be uh, confusing yeah because if, if it's not stuff that or yeah well like if you're being just logical a lot of it you're just like that, that doesn't make sense but but as mm-hmm. a kid you don't or at least i didn't have the trust in my my psyche to, or my intelligence to you know i was like but what do i know i'm a kid yeah yeah me too where did your father come and play with all of this because you mentioned your mom a lot huh? oh yeah my dad he's uh he didn't grow i think they were all my dad and his two sisters were all like baptized or something because that's just what you did but my grandparents on that side weren't, weren't religious at all and uh yeah so he i think he was just kind of shruggy about it like let my mom do her thing but it was never that serious and it was it kind of petered out by the time i was in high, junior high or whatever right are you eastern european descent uh my dad's side is croatian and my hit his great-grandfather or my great-grandfather was from there so like where everyone like my grandparents everyone's been born in vancouver we think, so we're yeah i just i'm like why couldn't have my ancestors migrated to any place but america <laughs> <laughs> yeah well so many things are just it's cuckoo right now but for the longest time i always kind of liked the idea of like the new world and like this is all very like rose-colored glasses style but like i always appreciated just kind of like how wild and wide open particularly the west coast like california or whatever felt like in a romanticized way you know but and i and also like when it comes to like art and pop culture and stuff when you're in Canada there always feels to be like you hear a Canadian artist trying to approximate the slick sheen of like an authentic American pop recording or something it always just felt like the kind of like just more janky cheaper version would be the one coming from Canada right in at least this is what I'm thinking about things in like the 80s and 90s like like our TV shows look um like dimmer and the lighting's worse even as far as like like rupaul's drag races like there was a canada's drag race and like the lighting shit and like the the hosts are so awkward and just you know so even if it's like a a global franchise thing the canadian version is just like what are they thinking so i think i always kind of like yearned to be part of like the legit or what i interpreted as the legit thing but this is just speaking about art and right or pop culture basically yeah not the way that at least on a comedy front i always thought canadians and i get um when i interviewed alex from mets he was like what but i was like canadian comedy is way better like sctv is one of the like oh yeah and of course kids in a hall like there and yeah it's the best like there's i don't think there's any fucking arguing it's true i mean that's yeah that that is a good point i just you know what i watched uh two nights ago for the first time ever which i was so surprised i'd never seen was black christmas oh i don't know if it's like a it's uh run don't walk if you haven't it's from like the late 70s filmed in canada in toronto i think and uh like andrea martin's in it she's oh. sctv right and yeah. uh margot kidder 
it's a, like a horror Christmas movie. Oh, okay. I, I don't know how you do well with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's vibey as hell. Just like yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. But do you like romanticism? Because like, is the new album the F- Pasadena Afternoon? Is that is that related to Pasadena, California? Is or are there other Pasadenas? No, that's the one. We we recorded it in Glendale, but I just thought Glendale afternoon didn't sound as good. <laughs> I lived in Glendale, so yeah, it doesn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no. nothing. It's a nice city, but it's not like Pasadena's more. It's by the hills, and it's... Yeah, yeah. And I just like this sounded... I just like the way it sounds better. I also lived in South Pass in 2011 or 2012. Oh, South Pass for, is great. For a while. Yeah, I lived in a little po- weird pocket, so... I loved being there. Near, yeah, I used to go there around that time a lot. And mm. uh, like uh, the, the there's the I, was the Irish pub there and the little French cafe. I honestly, because uh, all my friends didn't really live in the neighborhood, and so I would just go to the Trader Joe's and the laundromat <laughs> and the library and the farmers market. But I never, yeah, I kind of always went the other direction whenever I was, and I was so close to Highland Park also. So that was like a quick walk. So I didn't really explore as much as I could have, I think. So you spent, you've spent significant time in California. So the romanticism isn't solely this from afar. No. Yeah. No. Did, did but you... I, I think whenever you feel a thing, like, especially in a pronounced way, it just no matter what, I think it kind of still sticks with you. So I can kind of choose to frame it one way or the other but i definitely like i'm yeah i've i've seen like her experience just like the straight up day-to-day of what it's like being there yeah because romanticizing a city like i romanticized new york for a long time and Mm. then i lived there and like day two i was like oh no (laughs) and i was like and i'm stuck oof yeah you lived uh, in 82, did you say? Or when did you live there? In New York City? Yeah. Oh, in like two th- 2000. 82, I'd okay. be, I would have been. Okay, like, yeah. I been that makes no sense. I was like, <laughs> I, our, our poor Zoom glitched. That would be amazing. Like, ugh, 12-year-old Matt beating the streets. You just um, made me spit take. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, did you apologies. like, did you, did you find inspiration with living in California and like... <clears throat> Did the romanticism not fade at all? Yeah, not really. I loved it there. I totally love it there still, even. Uh, and, and I think I'm just... Hi, Joni. Um, uh, it feels like a long time ago now. <clears throat> That's all. Yeah. yeah. I just, I was curious about that. It was. Because when I was reading about... And obviously you have albums that are named after that are specifically titled after California. And, mm. and I was like, is this all from afar? And I know you came here as a kid. So I was curious about that. Cause that's because it is, I, I think everywhere in the world sort of has this romanticism about California because it's such a, you know, movies are made here and it's such a significant part. And it's weird to think about that, but worldwide it's a significant part in everybody's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I guess I'm just less interested in that whole thing, but because I put out those three records all in a row that were kind of all from the same session, all from the same time. I, and I moved down there for a bit. Like I have this like Mr. LA guy 
which is nothing I've been really consciously trying to broker or carry on with at all. <laughs> so you maybe know. your next series um, of albums could be about Ohio, like Cleveland or yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, or I've been really getting into like, I think this is a little swing I've been feeling as far as just like really into region being super regional and like not being part of this like global, uh, situation and just thinking it's kind of cool to be where you're from. Cause I think before, like I was saying how in my mind, the Canada, the Canadian version was always like the like dimly lit, poorly acted, whatever but maybe that's cool and or like friends would point out how i would say certain words this way or that way and i would tweak it or i would kind of aesthetically choose which how i wanted to pronounce about or about or whatever and uh and i yeah and now i'm just more just like talk how you talk from where you're from and sing about where you are and yada yada it's kind of more my speed at the moment like i'm kind of into celebrating the place that i actually live or, and not romance i don't know no i did I the same thing like i lived in california <clears throat> for a long time and i roman romanticized every place but where i lived and i think i was just um i don't know what i was like searching for something and it, like i was unhappy but i wasn't it had nothing to do with my location but i thought like oh but if i live here uh, there'll be i'll be more complete and it's like that's not uh, just going to be a new set of problems yeah i think that's really common though that whole like if i just do this or it'll mean this and i think it's life gets easier the less you do that i find at least for me yeah it's also because uh, when you start getting to a certain age too you start feeling more settled like i don't i don't want to move again and start i've started over uh, yep. too, too many times it's exhausting <laughs> though i'll probably yeah. have to leave california because it's getting too fucking expensive yeah yeah um you, I, when when you made those big moves and stuff what precipitated them um i'd left chicago i grew up in chicago and that's where like my most of my create like i cut my chops as they say um, yeah. And I felt like I just went as far as I could in Chicago. And yeah. there's a lot of people who don't leave Chicago and they always seem like stuck and unhappy. And I was like, I don't want to be that. And I guess mm. at the time I had a tad bit of an ego. Mm. And at the, and it was pre before I admitted to myself that Woody Allen was a creep. So I found New York very romantic. So that's why yeah. I went to New York and I thought like, ooh, that's yeah. a you know, gritty, artsy, I'll be the gritty, you know, that sort of appealed to me. And yeah. um, I just, I didn't feel like I fit in in New York. And a lot of my friends at the time were very successful in New York, like making gobs of money. And I was working like three jobs and their egos also, they were on television or writing for television and their egos kind of got out of control. Right. And they became insufferable. So my core group of friends became this, these guys who thought they were better than me <laughs> like, and could tell me how to do things. And I yeah. just hit the wall and I was like, I was just like, I didn't fuck this. So I split, I just up and split. I, I was, I chose to leave for LA and I was going to do it if I had like two bucks in my pocket or 2000. Yeah. I just didn't give a shit. I was like, I'll figure this out. Yeah. So it was always just like, um, restlessness. 
I guess would be the short like I just restless and California felt right like it felt it felt better to be here because it's also it's like as you probably know there's an ice there's a isolation to it like you 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 spend a lot more time at home I feel like that yeah. for me creatively was good like it forced me to write more and it forced mm-hmm. me to ponder and sort of explore internally more than I think New York which is this constant barrage oh yeah it's just too much it's too much I don't know how people are creative in New York yeah yeah Uh, but so all your moves were kind of like motivated by your creative pursuits yeah like and a tad bit of ego which uh, LA will pound out of you (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean if you moved out of chicago because any because of like maybe an unhealthy slightly inflated ego being like i'm gonna go to new york and then you fell into a stream that really kind of like made you feel like you're being chewed up and spit out you probably learned a lot and got your you go to a healthier place through that i guess and i definitely in chicago i was the big fish in the small Mm. pond and yeah which and I worked at Second City, so that can also be. Um, it's because you're, and I was working at a very young age, so I was making my living, and you kind of think it's not. You become entitled and and a little bit lazy, like it's going to happen, and uh, it didn't. <laughs> and in LA, I think it was just better because I had to go back to one, and it forced me to start working, focusing on working again, which is something I forgot. Yeah, and it's helpful, like, having some time and space and nice weather to do all that in instead of having to just, like, beat the streets, you know? Yeah, just survive. You, can be, you can be broke in California, and, or at least in, when I moved here, because it was still a very cheap city, and um, do things. You can be oh, outside. Yeah. Like, you, it's an okay place to be broke. Um, you, and that's... Yeah. that. my rent in South Pasadena was, like, Oh, I was just saying my rent when I lived in South Pass was six fifty, and it was like a one bedroom, and it was nice. You couldn't find crazy. A one. I mean, it was a it was a steal then. Yeah, that would be like two thousand over two thousand dollars. It was a bit. Um, you that you yeah. started yeah, playing live and stuff pretty early, right? Like I saw, I forget um, who you were opening for. Was it? either Carl Blau or somebody, but you were like 18. Uh, were you, when did you start playing live? Uh, maybe even in high school, like my first band, I started in high school and we played some shows and, uh, I played with, I think past guests, uh, conversations guests, uh, when I was really young, I played with Kyle field and Owen Ashworth. Oh, that's right. That's who it was. Yeah. So yeah. And I was probably like 18, I would guess at that point. So yeah, how was that entering into that? Because you know the nightclub world—it's a different world. And when you and I started that around the same time, and it's like, it's the, the world opens up. <laughs> yeah, I think I was really. Uh, I've only just started reflecting upon my twenties in like I would say the last month or something like for some reason all of a sudden I'm like I really feel like I was uh so naive but also so kind of like protective of whatever but also like weirdly over awkwardly overconfident in one in some ways and like insanely like insecure in others and just like 
and I feel like I maybe like dissociated a lot. Like I don't, like I, I, but then there was always something in me that was like making me feel like it was okay to hop on that bill or book that show or get on the stage and sing the song. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's so weird. I think it's really weird and I'm not being that articulate about it, but like, I've been trying to think about like, what was that time? And who was I? Like, I, I feel like a lot of it, I haven't really even, I don't remember that much. <laughs> like I can remember playing that show with Owen and Kyle and, and they were quite, they were maybe like eight years older than me or something like that. And we're still total like good friends today and, and in each other's lives. And so I was also just thinking like, it's weird that I was this kind of young person that somehow like ingratiated myself into their lives and they were open to that. That, even though it's, yeah. It means a lot when someone older and, and, you know, I guess I, I'm not more established for lack of better, you know, brings you in because it, mm. it does, it boosts your confidence and it makes you feel a part of it, which I, I found is kind of rare. I don't know. Was that a rare thing for you or? I, sort of. Yeah. I think I was just kind of lucky in that way. And I think, but like I was saying earlier, like I was weirdly confident about what I was doing in a way that confuses me because I don't know why I was because I, I know how I actually felt about like myself in other ways and I was nowhere near like solid feeling in general as like a human being but for whatever reason I was able to uh, I don't know make it yeah make things happen on a musical tip but then again at the same time like so much self-sabotage so much like weird windy paths when i could have just went that way or and that's kind of still to lesser degrees how the way things are today i would say (laughs) but it's also it's like you're obviously you were gifted i mean you're you're insanely talented and i think you do even if you're young you have a sense of that but you just don't have a sense of the other, uh, how to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think, you know, when you're younger, uh, or at least for me, like I would, I, I wasn't fully sure of who I was. Like I knew what I wanted creatively, but as a human, I was sort of assimilating personalities, like, or like the people I admired, which, I didn't admire really good people. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, you know, I, I admired, you know, a lot of drug addicts. <laughs> Yikes. But, but like, you know, I mean, I was That's like, no good. John, like John Belushi and like, so I, I, I wanted to be this right. dangerous guy and I, I'm not a dangerous person. It's like, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fearful person. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm not that guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think I tried to go down that road, and it's just a terrible, terrible mistake. Not to, but I don't know if that's it relates in any way to what you were doing. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that's interesting about all that is, it's some people seem to like slip onto those costumes or whatever and convince people that they're this or that. But I think certain people just can't pull it off, and maybe we're both those people. <laughs> 
yeah. if people can see they're like not that but also like i look at uh clips of like shows i played on youtube or whatever from 10 15 however long ago and just like my body language and just kind of remembering how i felt and how like in my head i was a lot of the time like i just feel so grateful now that i can just kind of with some steadiness just hop up on a stage and feel like to some degree or another i know who i am and what i want to be doing up there and then whether it goes one way or the other i'm okay with it and just feel just like happy to get up there and share and i'm glad to have grown to a point where that feels like something or because it was always kind of a, uh, a bit of like a boxing match up to that point but whether that was uh perceivable from the audience i'm not sure but i think so because yeah people people are stupid including <laughs> me but they're also really smart <laughs> yeah yeah, that's. I, it's interesting because when you said you go up there and share, there's that's something a, about your rambling. Oh no, uh, but there's something about your music and that. I, and I don't think this happens with a lot of artists, but I feel like I listen to your music and I truly feel like I know you. Like I, which is, I don't. I mean, it's that's a rare quality, and I'm. Is there any? Can you speak to that, or is that just sort of too abstract? Uh, I, well, I would, that makes me happy to hear, especially if you're reflecting upon like the last couple records or so, like the more recent ones anyway. Uh, cause I think I, uh, but then again, it depends on what we're talking about. Like, as far as like, uh, my musical personality, I think hasn't changed all that much. So yeah, like I feel like the way I kind of construct or come up with melodies and write lyrics, like my whole kind of gag is pretty much has always been the same. So, uh, but as far as like me sharing more of myself in a more clear way, that's something that's kind of new considering how long I've been at this, you know? Right. Do you, yeah. was there a, moment that you could pinpoint that where that started to shift for you where you felt like you're sharing yeah i think so much of whenever i do anything it's like pretty unconscious so it's just that's just the way it rolled out i guess and i think it's just like yeah it's been to, that's been kind of like morphing along with me just like growing as a person i guess yeah because i i thought it was interesting with um ouch and i, I feel like you've probably been talked about it a lot but you know it's a breakup album but there was like i was wondering like what like why such strong emotional moments as like a breakup are such sparks for creativity or what i had it written down way more articulate than that <laughs> but yeah I, I feel like you may know what i'm going for sure well i mean but like the the me the 20 year old me or whatever that had never like even like signed up or opened up their heart enough to like be in love or have their heart broken. That was like the idea of a 
like a heartbreak album, breakup album seemed so corny to me. And that's why I loved being able to make one when that all like finally came to pass a million years later. Cause it was absurd. I liked the absurdity of that being like an earnest thing that I could do at like at the time 35 or whatever, or however old it was, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, but it definitely, I could not not write those songs. Like I don't even feel like I made them up. Like, I mean, I don't even feel, it was not conscious. I just had to, it was a total uh, like refuge and it just made me, it just, yeah, helped. <laughs> I can't, uh, uh, yeah, I, I lost my train of thought a bit, do but you, do you feel like I wasn't, I was never like, Oh, finally I have something to write about or like, I'm going to write about this. It was not conscious. It was just like, I just heard a line, the next line, the next line. And then all of a sudden there was like 12 songs and I could have kept going. I'm sure I had so many stupid thoughts. <laughs> Does, do you yeah. feel like that one needs to have a certain amount of loss to be creative if I, I'm not too pleased with the way that question came out but I feel like you need to experience heartbreak to really and loss to really understand life yeah well it depends on what you're trying to make you know like I think but I agree I just think it's more about just like having greater senses of empathy and like understanding like I felt so relieved even as miserable as it felt like I felt like I was finally joining the human race instead of being some like weird alien you know so that was helpful for me and uh but I think you can make other kinds of art that's powerful that's framed with more of like a remove and it can you know if you're hyper like I think about like uh Stephen Sondheim maybe or like Stephen Merritt all the Stevens the white Steve, like <laughs> little Steven they yeah they little Steven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they make they make art that I find very moving but not with like this kind of just like ironic distance or like some I don't know yeah but yeah. there has to be with ironic distance there has to be something you're distancing yourself from yeah. like, I don't, otherwise it wouldn't be distancing. Yeah. Maybe they just feel these feel things so intensely that that distance is there just out of necessity to like protect the, the thing that's way down in there. It has to. And that still, and that still comes into the music, whether they would admit it or not, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think, you can have anything like Sondheim. You can't have anything of that much substance without some uh, something emotional. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Because a lot of his things just destroy me in this way. That's crazy. Like I don't know. It hits like the craziest nerves for me. A lot of his music. Uh, yeah, and also just like knowing. I don't know. I haven't. I don't. I'm not like a Sondheim scholar or anything but like even knowing simple things like his mother never loved him like on her deathbed was like i wish i never had you <laughs> like really yeah Holy so fuck things like that they must leave such a dent in your being you know no matter how kind of like stiff upper lip you are about it because he talks about it in this documentary that i saw and he's kind of just yeah 
you said like he's very like matter of fact but uh you know stuff like that's huge yeah it seems it's always interesting to me it seems like a lot of especially front people i don't like there's the parent dynamic plays so much into people's creativity losing a parent at a young age like it's all or it's all to me like you're you're going after that love like there's no there's it's like too basic not to be that way yeah 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 i'm really thankful like my parents and i have have like a great relationship and even when i was a teen and stuff it was like kind of you're just the middle like dynamic but it was never bad it was always good so then know? how do you how are you so brilliant if you had this <laughs> you're like a, you're a freak of nature then because <laughs> you are like insane like i listen to your music and it's just like the hardest thing i had researching you was i would play your music while i would do it and i would find myself not reading or doing anything but just getting lost in your melodies which oh wow and i well but i was like fuck i gotta do my work but i couldn't couldn't stop just getting lost in your music Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) The thing, to go back to Ouch, that, um, did you, like, have the breakup, and what was the distance between the breakup and the starting to write that music? Because, to me, in my head, I was like, it was almost immediate. Yeah, it was. It literally was. And it was kind of like, and it even, I think, the first two songs came before it actually was, like, the gauntlet is finally... Uh, been dropped so I was kind of simmering even in the in the slightly before it. but yeah it literally just felt and I and up until that point I hadn't um been writing much at all maybe nothing so for like because I, I actually do take like long periods of time where I don't do anything like you're like I don't even think I've written anything this year so do you think or I did yeah I, but then that just little like a little it felt like a tap it was just like and it was like a a new tap for me as far as uh why I was writing I guess do you just is that your do you feel like you just can't force it it just sort of has to be this thing that comes from beyond or yeah yeah I think that's just where I prefer things to come from now because I, that's not always been my uh, thought, but I think that's just kind of what I've settled into for now. And also, I haven't really, like, uh, I've always, like, maintained my day job, like, doing gardening stuff and labor stuff. And I've never, and I wonder why a lot of the time, but, like, never position music as being like my actual career so i can yeah i can just make stuff when i feel like it and don't do anything if i don't all that so what do you think it would be like if you didn't have those those jobs like if you were just left with wide open space in your life Mm. I have had lots of time actually where like idle time, like even when I was in LA for however long I wrote a lot, but, uh, that was when I was trying out the kind of more workhorse, brill building, like nine to five 
just yeah and i all that's all that experience has been important to me i think actually like and like in 2014 for the songs that were on in an open field that came out in 2017 i wrote like 50 songs for that and was on in like a cabin on the small vancouver island for in the winter time for three months just writing every so i know what it feels like to just like grind and and make stuff whether or not the sparks there and and be happy with whatever or i don't know be at least curious about what comes out one way or the other but at this point i think i've settled into just uh yeah not forcing anything and just i don't know living my life and then if stuff pops up does follow it, it i guess seems more peaceful to you yeah it works for me yeah I think so. But since, I mean, I've had lots of time off this year, like this spring and I've been working on projects, but they haven't involved um, writing yet, but I've been making lots of music. Just it's been more collaborative where I've been, I've just finished an album of recording the 16 of my friend's songs. She lives down the street. So. Oh, you just, Oh, I thought it was multiple friends, but just one person's. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm on this covers tip. Cause that covers, it's a coincidence that this Pasadena afternoon tape that's coming out, which is uh, me and some friends playing other songs by friends. Uh, yeah. I just like, in, I, like yeah. what, what draws you towards covers? Like what, what, what is it? What makes sparks a song for you? That's not yours that you're like, well, I need to do this. Uh, I think a lot of, the time when it's just something that I admired that I don't think I would have come up with. So I just kind of like popping in the shoes <laughs> and just and seeing what I could do with it. You know, I, yeah, it's pretty random. And there's a, the Pasadena afternoon has got quite who all, there's some like biggies that play on there. Isn't it like, I know Kyle plays and no, we just play his song. Oh, you play his uh, song. I've, I, mis- yeah. I misread that. I thought it was, yeah, no, it's just, it's the same band uh, for, for through the whole thing. It's me and uh, Zach Burba, who had it. And they're basically, do you know the band Dear Nora? Uh, vaguely, I would say. But our mutual oh. friend, Adrian uh, Teacher, we'll call him, from Apollo Ghosts, sent me a yep. long, he emailed me this morning with a, about 10 link, Bandcamp links. He's like, here's a bunch of Vancouver bands I think you would like. And I was like, oh, awesome. yeah, a, a great gift to get to start the day yeah he needs to send me that list because i don't he's so involved or he seems to be like very involved and plugged in with all that stuff and i'm not so uh, <laughs> i could just email it to you <laughs> yeah forward it to me i'll listen to it yeah because uh but uh dear nora is actually the, a band i play in but they're based in it started in portland and then san francisco and now they live in joshua tree but uh the band on the tape is basically Dear Nora and my friend Aaron from LA Takedown, but we're playing songs by, yeah, like Little Wings and other people. What What's appealing about releasing a cassette? I think I'm behind on this. I keep getting cassettes. I keep buying them, but I don't have a player, but I'm like, why? what is the resurgence with cassettes? I find it interesting. Yeah, it's been going on for a minute. I haven't, I don't know <laughs> either. I, I don't buy them even. <laughs> uh i just i have a bit of a log jam of material that's coming out and i just wanted this to happen quickly and 
production time for vinyl takes a long time and it's expensive and the people at moon are i love working with them they're kind of like new new friends and so they were just up for doing whatever and i was just like let's just make it a tape tapes are and and i have like really nice beautiful memories of being a kid and like you know getting like like a virgin or whatever when i was five years old and unwrapping the cellophane and yeah like cassettes are cool but i just don't buy them or listen to them but i have a new one so yeah i you're yeah your your um influences were interesting to for me to read about because it is like sondheim joe jackson madonna is there anything that would be not fit uh, not that those fit together but as what are some other influences that might surprise someone like oh i love um speed metal <laughs> mm. yeah it's well, always a surprise uh, okay. yeah my listening habits are like have always been pretty wide ranging i've never not enjoyed a particular kind of music because of the like genre parameters or whatever i just things that sound good to me or things that i enjoy or just that but i don't think there's like I do have the odd like Burzum album or whatever. Like I'll listen to, I mean, I do like, I like Harry Parch. I like experiment, like experimental 20th century shit. I don't know. Uh, Here's a weird two things that I've talked about mostly after I've done interviews with people, but um, surprised by people's answers. Um, the Grateful Dead. Mm. Do you have? Do you like the Dead? I don't know them that well, but my f- friends do. And uh, so, I whenever I hear it, I can see how and why people would love it. And I uh, that thing hasn't like fully uh, made my heart sing, but <laughs> I am open to the fact that that could happen. <laughs> It's just uh, it, it. Um, the other one was like, I was surprised uh, people's take on musicians' takes on Tom Waits. Oh yeah, I have an issue with Tom Waits. I'm not, <laughs> but then again, I'm so malleable. Like when it comes to like, someone could give me a list of reasons why the way I naturally feel about a thing could be tweaked or altered and i'm open to that but like his singing that's the one thing everyone says yeah because and i'm fine with very like i'm fine with singing from a character or singing with that kind of like you know like scott walker or even sinatra like these are people that just sing every lyric with the same uh, tone and cadence and like the thing that makes it magical is in there. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it just seems to, it's just like not an aesthetic that like does anything for me on like a heart level or something like that. I could, yeah. And and I guess that matters. Like I appreciate the artistry and like he's totally something. 
but it's just like not for me. <laughs> but I don't even, I haven't even got into it enough to really speak to it that clearly. But I know like even like that old 65 or song was like on in the supermarket the other day. And I was just like, I really don't like this. But sometimes I, there's, I, I can change my tune. Definitely. There's so many things that I was like, Bleh. and then I've like grown to love them quite a lot. So I, I definitely could see some far off future where I'm like really into rain dogs or whatever. Yeah. That's something I've tried to do is revisit music that I discredited as a young person because I didn't, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I wasn't ed- educated. Like I wasn't knowledgeable or had a, the wi- a wide span of uh, references as I do now as a, 50 something year old I'll keep it right but it's like has have you ever done that where you're like oh I was completely wrong or like in certain cases I was like nope I was right <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah I'm trying to think there's man I, I do remember like I had a friend in high school Larissa that was in my first band also and she was really into like goth music and and thing and I was more into just like dreamy it was like the late 90s so I was you know into dreamy indie pop basically and hearing like Susie and the Banshees or Eitzers and My Button and all these things I was like eh. but when I hear them now I'm just like holy moly this is very interesting wild music that is I enjoy so I don't know. And then, or there's things even like songs that are so omnipresent, like a Fleetwood Mac song or something, you just kind of take it for granted or even born in the USA. All these songs are just like, yeah, 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 that song. But then when you actually, I think I'm pretty good at like uh, suspending where certain songs like live in the pop culture consciousness. And then also just like listen to them for what they are as like, works of art and thinking they're amazing so i can listen to you can go your own way and just be totally moved by it and or yeah 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 because the beach boys were ruined for me because and not anymore but they were so prevalent in commercials as a kid that's the only association i had with them so i was like well they suck because they're in these right but then i had to go revisit them and i was like oh just like i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) it's like yeah it's so easy to do, especially I think in the nineties, people were so dismissive of so many things. Cause it was like, like, yeah, that was me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like, that was just the culture. And I kind of, I was a little too young for that, but I noticed people doing it. So I did it also. Cause I thought it was like, it was cool. And a lot but, of, um, a, a yeah. lot of the music that I thought was really great is like an angry and right. When I was a kid, I'm like, this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it's really bad. Yeah. I would agree. But just even like, you know, hearing someone say like, Avalon sucks. The first two Roxy music are the better or whatever. I'm just like, Avalon is so beautiful and like so elevated and like, it's all good. But like to, to need to like pit these things against one another is cuckoo to me. So, yeah, I don't really do that that much. I try not to even say, like, this is good or this is bad. I've been generally trying to just switch, even though it all means the same thing. I've been trying to say, like, I like this or, like, or, you know what I mean? Instead of saying this is good, I'm like, oh, I like this instead or whatever. Yeah. Or like, that's a good song. I'm trying to say I like that song instead. I don't know. It's just semantics, but it feels a little like lighter and less like uh, preachy or something. Plus the other thing I tried to, that I've 
Because there's some things if you flip through my collection, you'd be like, Dwyer, really? <laughs> <laughs> but there's like this nostalgia. There's a, you know, some of these are just representations of times of your life. And that music yeah. brings you back to it. And yeah, maybe it's not the best song and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, for me, I'm transported back to these moments. And, you know, you can't really... I mean, I could still probably step back and go, yeah, you're right. It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you could say it's bullshit, but I like it or whatever. And I think that's great, you know? Because similar, I, like, uh, I don't know how it happened, but I got really into the second Crash Test Dummies album, uh, which came out in like 1993 or something like 92. And I was kind of into it alongside Nirvana and all that stuff. But I could tell even then that the Crash of the Summies was nerdy and his weird low voice and the mm song and stuff. But I got really into that album uh, like a month ago again. And it's demented, but like I, there's a lot of stuff going on in it that I think is kind of cool. Like I think it's kind of cool that there's this demented band from Winnipeg, Canada that had this weird hit. Um, and they were kind of omnipresent for a while. They were like very, they were everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But then I realized that the things that I like about it, maybe a lot is the Jerry Harrison from talking heads in a lot of wizards. Kind of, I'm not I'm just starting to get into XTC, but they're, they're very influenced by XTC. So there's always like, I think when I was younger, I got into like the maybe slightly cornier version of the thing that I actually was interested in. So, and I, I've traced that back a few times. Like when I, I haven't revisited it, but when I was a teenager, she's, she loves Kate Bush or something like that. Or even like, yeah. And I think Crash Test Dummies and XTC are kind of similar in some ways. I don't know. Uh, where was I going with that? Anyway. <laughs> oh, um, well, I wanted to thank you for your time. Um, yeah. I've really enjoyed this. I hope you did. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of the pod, so I'm oh, happy thank to be you. here. I was yeah. flattered that New you... fan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't know about it, but I, yeah, I've been listening to it a lot in the last couple of weeks. So good. Hey, you have like such a gent gentle, gentle presence on the mic. I love it. Oh, like thank it's... you so much. See, I'm not yeah. that tough, uh, edgy guy. I've seen it in my own for listening to conversations with matt dwyer please remember to go to the linked tree uh link in my show notes and support me on patreon if you can or just tell your friends about the show that would really mean a great deal to me tell people about the show and follow my social media and again if if you like join the patreon become a subscriber and get bonus material videos blogs all kinds of stuff thank you very much for listening